0: Natalie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I am so pleased to be here. Virtually you know, here.
0: Virtually <laughs> here. You know, here has become like a different concept now and we you it sure know has. and and nice to meet you. is always now a virtual in person. It's all one and the same.
1: Absolutely.
0: In fact, it kind of reminds me of the first time we chatted. You were so patient and generous. I was on vacation. I was on the beach. Our reception was choppy and it was windy, but your <laughs> words they really resonated with me, Natalie. It was uh, you know it, a real treat. So, real quick for the audience, I always give all context. This is now season three. We are deep in the conversation about how do we adapt marketing mindset to the employee experience. And we've got a treat today. Natalie knows, you know, I've interviewed now over a thousand folks over the last 10 years, a couple hundred over the last six months or so. And yes, conversations touch on purpose and values. And we talk about things like empathy. But what I look for are leaders who go beyond discussing it, who want to bring it to life, who want to think about how do they deploy it within their organization. So Natalie, you and I are going to take on empathy as a product, in fact, what would change if we thought about empathy as a product within organizations
1: it sounds great
0: yeah what i'd love to begin is to for you to share with our audience the journey to become a chief people officer i think that sets a wonderful context for our conversation natalie what was your journey like
1: uh, well like many hr professionals um, with at least my tenure i i won't mention age because we don't do that in hr but Um, Those tenured HR professionals, many did not come from traditional human resources backgrounds, may not have degrees in human resources. In fact, many don't have degrees. I've encountered so many amazing senior leaders in the HR profession that have come from those different backgrounds, including educational and, and even global backgrounds. My journey started Um, I was born and raised on the East Coast, educated there, Rutgers University alumni, and I have a teaching certificate actually. So I'm a certified high school English teacher. And it was in that realm that I began with a supplemental education company selling franchises, managing franchises for this organization. It was actually headquartered out of Japan. And my role was to help the franchisees become as successful as they possibly could. And it was in that type of a role that I became very interested in the people components of running a business, what that meant to the success of a business, how creative the talent was, how resourceful, but ultimately how committed. And you can't run a business without people. And there were many things that inspired me to join Human Resources, probably a conversation for another podcast. But um, one of the most impactful was great jobs change lives, they change families, they change communities, they change the future. And I was inspired to be the lead architect or lead strategist for a company that could offer these amazing experiences, amazing culture, and ultimately offer career opportunities to make lives better. And I've been driven by that passion early on and ever since.
0: How true is that? Great, great jobs, you know, they create meaning, fulfillment in our lives. And then on the opposite spectrum, when they suck, you bring that home. <laughs> How do you not, right? When you spend the majority of your time at work or thinking about work.
1: Correct. And even those that suck, teach us something
0: positive positive thinking or growth mindset <laughs> with you natalie what, what role is does purpose have in that you mentioned fulfillment satisfaction in our conversation you talked about connecting people to their purpose mm-hmm. why
1: well it reminds me of so many pivotal moments in an organizational journey i've worked in many different industries the airline industry home building healthcare. And in each one of those industries, what was so evident, especially with strong cultures and strong leadership teams was there was a purposeful and intentional effort to connect people to purpose. And that's something that I think resonates across industries, across teams, no matter role in, an, in any organization, you have to feel connected um, I think we also talked about the three-legged stool and what makes the employee experience work, and the commitment that you have to have to your employees. And that three-legged stool is obviously the the role itself, and and doing work that is meaningful and purposeful, where you can contribute your talents and gifts and feel appreciated. The compensation um, you need to be paid a, a fair and competitive wage. Obviously, that's critical. You need to manage your career like a business and manage your bottom line but then ultimately the the company and the purpose of the company so all three of those legs need to be in balance for there to be a sustainable or sustainability in terms of an individual's commitment to an organization you have to feel that there's that give get and a sense of equality in that, but ultimately that you're making a difference, finding that nobility in the work and the purpose that the company does. And I think about the launch of Zell, our consumer-facing brand. That was the first time our company had a consumer-facing brand. And there was such an explosion of culture and purpose and pride. Um, it was much easier to explain to Potential candidates for jobs or friends and family what we did for a living. Uh, our company name is Early Warning Services. That's probably somewhere on the title of this podcast, but um, it's not a sleek or elegant company name. It's fairly utilitarian given what we do for a living, but here comes Zell and changing the dynamic of the company and again that incredible explosion of culture. And I saw how that translated into purpose and making sure that all new folks joining the company felt that deep connection to the purpose. There's excitement in that. But ultimately, you wake up, you feel good about what you're doing. For sure. And, and I
0: love Zoe. I'm a, pro, you know, I'm, I'm a, a very happy user. And uh, <laughs> it, Natalie, what I really, you know, loved about your approach, and, and you know, again, there are a lot of folks that talk about purpose, especially leaders, it's almost now a must discuss purpose. If you don't talk about it, you know, it, it, it's, it's a check mark. But, but how do you bring it to life is the real question. How does it show up in people's lives? Love the three-legged stool that you described. So, you know, you and I mentioned, let's meet them where they are. Let, let, let's, let's show how it is different, how purpose shows up differently based on the role. I think you even mentioned internal audit. So maybe take our audience down into how do you see it showing up based on the individual and the role within the organization
1: so i would have answered this question differently over the several decades of experience i have in hr but i'm i'm going to get tactical for a second if you don't mind talk talk about cross-functional goal setting and the art of cascading goals it's cliche to say hey we're gonna set a strategic plan at the top levels of the organization and cascade it down Um, everyone talks about it but the real skill and the art and the science of doing that is making sure that you're doing that through the lens of connecting people to purpose and so for instance I think we did talk about internal audit there are many roles that aren't customer facing or consumer facing And yet play such a critical role in the operation of any enterprise and it's hard to place a value on that sometimes when uh, someone in internal audit or even human resources could be finance a shared services function may not have that daily interaction may not be able to experience what it's like to delight a customer as an example or a consumer so how do leaders truly connect the entire function, the entire enterprise, all business units to that purpose, even though they may not be experiencing that uh, directly. We talked about, let's put our, we're all product managers at the end of the day. If we put our product management hat on and we think about the consumerization of that or how would an employee consume cross-functional goal setting so if you're an internal audit how do you ladder up and really feel connected to the strategic purpose of an organization that's that skill so helping that come to life is really spending time as a cross-functional team setting goals together and it doesn't have to be complex starting with your strategic vision, starting with a high level statement, maybe even starting with what do you want to solve in 2023 and beyond? And what is that unique role that each function plays? What are the trickle down impacts? How do things ladder up vertically down? Um, That I think is something organizations don't take the time to do we put it in training we talk about it in human resources but bringing teams together to experience the goal setting process together uh, easier said than done but it's something that's really powerful and often when you talk about it there's a sense of maybe over engineering a a two-hour session for an example but you don't have to you really just need to dive in start with what you're trying to solve for and Ironically, the discussion is so rich, you'll find out things and even potentially milestones on that journey to achieving something strategic that you hadn't considered before, the end result being everyone feels very connected to purpose and ultimately people support what they help create. And that's what you're doing as a leadership team, creating that symbiosis, if you will, where everyone feels connected and, and contributing in, their best possible way.
0: I'm not going to deliver it perfectly, but I remember seeing a quote when it was President Kennedy visiting NASA and, you know, person mopping the floor. What do you do here? Where We're putting the men on the the moon, Mr. President, right? It's the idea that we're all contributing. So how do you show with clarity that your individual effort is making the contribution? But but Natalie, and, and I'll quickly speak to the audience for a second. We talk a lot about adoption of marketing we talk a lot about connection between CX and EX the bridge Mm -hmm. between the two and Natalie you just said the words you know we're all kind of product owners product, and it's in the context of internal not external I think externally there's this idea of yes we're building products and if you go into Uber or Apple they'll talk about what it means and how do you understand people you know what let's talk about product owners internally why did you say that what did you mean by it
1: Well, when I think about HR in particular, um, we're often seen as reactive, but yet beat the drum on wanting to be more strategic and wanting to add value into organizations. So by pausing and putting our product manager hats on, we're able to look beyond what we need to do, what we're legally required to do, and put ourselves in the seat of the end user and go through a series of use cases in terms of what we're solving for. So I'll give you a perfect example. Um, Maybe about a few years ago, we launched quarterly goal setting and quarterly check-ins. And the thought was that although we're going to set goals annually or uh, track milestones against maybe a longer-term roadmap two or three years out, Sometimes a static set of goals developed in the beginning of the year or maybe in Q4 may need to be adjusted slightly and move with the needs of the business. So how do you create a process that's nimble enough without changing the goals where you don't really have deadlines, where it's too squishy, but allowing enough flexibility where that static set of goals can adapt To the changing needs of the business and then also doing it quarterly. Um, That's sort of a a meta statement for the problem we were trying to solve in that some of the goals didn't hold up. Now part of that's the skill of the right level of goal setting and getting better at that cross-functional goal setting we were talking about because very often if they're shifting drastically there wasn't a consideration of other business units or potentially uh, a good forecasting of external factors that would impact the success of maybe a longer-term roadmap but it really is about HR saying we need to solve for this so let's put ourselves in the seats of an employee or in a leader role how are they receiving this new process how can we make it meaningful? How can we reduce administrative burden? How can we optimize? What does success look like? If I have a leader say that was the best most organized process that helped drive business value, that helped keep the teams on track, that helped me facilitate meaningful feedback, that doesn't feel punitive, um, that's in-the-moment coaching and course corrections that are helping us run a business that was the magic when we launched our quarterly goal setting was really taking on that product management perspective and I actually got a uh, I, I got that advice several years ago from a brilliant female executive um, she's since retired but she said, you know, Natalie, you you're you're doing all these things, you're launching these these new processes and you really need to put your product manager hat on and figure out the problem you're solving and figure out the UI and the UX of the whole thing. And it was so impactful for me and since then I I just look at everything as a product leader. <laughs>
0: fascinating and and i think it's an emerging market i I think you are part of a small group of innovators who see the parallels you use the words ui ux product learning from the world of customers really adapting a marketing mindset Mm -hmm. and turning it internally but natalie Mm -hmm. like what would be your assessment of where either you are or where the industry is to bring this internally because from where I sit, I think it's an emerging market, and we're about to see a, a an acceleration, a uh, better translation of what we've done with customers, bringing it internally to, toward our employees, or some in many cases, folks refer to them as associates.
1: Mm-hmm. There are so many different ways to answer that question, and I'm going to go with the first thing that popped into my head here, and I want to talk about the emerging market and really how HR has become so much more scientific over the years. When I started in HR, business intelligence and analytics might have been a report generated by an HRIS um, analyst or someone in business intelligence, but so much of what we do now has to be backed by data. And when we think about marketing, when we think about product, we have to be able to accurately diagnose so that we're continuing to add value back into the business. And then the flip side of that is to be able to capture the impact that we're having on the business so that we can further drive uh, programs or processes or New and unique, innovative approaches to even running a business. So, there's so many different ways, but HR has been called to action to really become scientists in our profession, and we're all learning and developing. It's just not a skill set that was, mm-hmm. at least when I started in HR, traditionally embedded into that core body of knowledge that we would need to be successful. So, many of us are on that journey of development and continuing to help organizations grow and thrive. It it has to be about people. It has to be about the employee experience and the new workforce, the new generation is not just requesting it. They're demanding to enjoy the work that they do. (laughs) And you have to getting back to that, connecting people to purpose, be able to do it and be able to market back to them. Hey, we heard you. Hey, we understand and here's the data to prove it and here's what we did as a result of your feedback as a result of changing business conditions there's so much packed in there so i hope that answered your question or maybe it generated a few new ones for you adam oh,
0: so 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 many i'm, I'm holding back natalie um you know, <laughs> Where, where I'd like to go next is when when I think about um, empathy as, as a product, when I think about empathy in general, when you're looking at scale, if it's two people, it's feeling and understanding each other, but at scale, data, it seems to me that there's a question of looking at the employee experience from the perspective of the employee data and we need to be mindful of responsibility. We're, we're not, I'm not referring to collecting more data. I think there's a lot of questions to governance and, and, and not being a big brother. But if we want to be empathetic, are we not asking the questions of how do we meet them where they are based on the signals and the insights from data sets, Natalie?
1: Well, maybe that's a lean towards, ultimately, employee engagement mm-hmm. and what that means for organizations in terms of real business results. Um, For me, employee engagement has some of the obvious ROIs, if you will. There's turnover, there's uh, cost per hire, there's so many different metrics and why you want to keep your your talent on board and, and why employee engagement would be a great measurement of that, but ultimately pride and purpose and passion uh, can all be measured through some of those different levels of employee engagement, depending on what company you're using or a different index. What's harder to measure in employee engagement, but perhaps some of the most impactful is the creativity and the discretionary effort. That's what drives business, in my opinion, is that Passion for what you're doing getting back to that connecting people to purpose and again harder to measure but really really critical when we think about Empathy and circling back to that empathy as a product It starts with empathy for the customer and in my opinion, isn't that what the user experience? ultimately is all about what someone is going through how they receive your product and how your product or service helps them in some way, betters their lives, makes something easier, makes something better. For me, it's the same translatable point to the employee experience and consumerizing that and empathy as a product. How are we making, we as in the company, leaders and ultimately employees are also accountable for their own engagement and creating environments of amazing experiences and amazing employee engagement. How are they receiving it? How are we all as teammates receiving the experience? What is that end user experience of being in a culture that can activate talent, that can power up amazing business results, and whether it's experience for the customer a consumer an employee a leader a community because of a a heart and spirit of giving of philanthropy of nobility of if you're in our line of work reducing fraud and scams there's so many different impacts that we have on the world what does that mean and and it's it's tied to and it's almost a circular reference of empathy and product leadership, and the user experience.
0: Mm-hmm. And you said how they experience it. You and I briefly chatted about, you know, I mean, it's a common theme, everyone is really busy, mm-hmm. really a lot of notifications, so professional and personal. And I think we just take it for granted that we, we need to figure out how to go through, I shouldn't say for granted, we should understand and, and, and acknowledge that the first challenge is to get through the noise through the noise. And you and I briefly talked about how do we nudge or how do we learn from the world of customer experiences when you're getting an Uber or you're checking in for your airlines, how amazing those experiences are. And often they come to you at the right time with the right piece of information. So Natalie, how do you think about, would you agree the noise and, and how do you think about the noise and how do you think about getting through that noise?
1: Well. I think it's number one, recognizing that um, attention spans are limited and not for any other reason than we have so much stimuli coming our way. Our lives have gotten busier and faster. So companies are, and businesses, whether you're a leader in HR, a leader in a business, working directly with consumers, customers, you have to make those moments count. They have to be impactful. They have to be meaningful. So you have really ultimately that attention span that you're managing through to, again, whether it's a, a micro learning or a very impactful communication. Uh, but it's also when we talk about meeting people where they are, it's anticipating those needs. There is nothing- There is nothing better in my profession than to be able to anticipate the needs of employees and leaders before they knew they had a need and deliver a solution and delight them. That's incredible. That's always the gold standard, a little harder to do.
0: There's a, I was racing to find a quote and didn't find it in time. I thought <laughs> I'd find it by the time you finished. Something about uh, Steve Jobs years ago said, you know, how do we know what they want mm-hmm. before they know it? Right? And meet, m- essentially meet them with their needs really before they, and you're asking some of the same questions. You're saying, how do we meet them where they are? And mm-hmm. uh, N- Natalie, what, what I'm curious about, uh, as you think about uh, this journey of HR, and you said you would have answered some of these questions very differently a decade ago, and you had great advice mm-hmm. a few years ago. Could we wonder a bit, what, sure. w- what does it look like years out? I won't be specific about, you know, just from a vision perspective. What do you think would be some of the resources and capabilities that HR would be benefiting from as it continues this journey? Whether scientifically, we're thinking about PhDs and some of the folks in that field? Or do we think about it like a marketing organization, the UI, UX, and of course data capabilities, but also how do we nudge them? How do we, you said micro learning, how do we meet them with the right piece of information? So Natalie, if you could dream with me and with the audience, because these questions, I think lots of folks are asking, where do we go from here?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I started a little bit down that path in that HR has become much more scientific. Uh, I have seen a, and this is good news for all HR professionals out there, I believe, a real demand for a fundamental understanding of how a business operates when it comes to people, when it comes to talent, and ultimately, that is the main, if not the most important resource, and it should be. It is in my organization, and I urge all HR professionals to um, foster the conversation and the dialogue to make sure that people are viewed as the most important asset in an organization. In order to do that, the skill sets of the future, some haven't changed. It's the heart, it's the empathy, it's the communication, it's the real and genuine concern to take care to want to take care of the people that are taking care of the customers it's paramount it's a non-negotiable in my point so or in my opinion so for that that part hasn't changed uh, but becoming more scientific and data driven that is changing and it's exponentially increasing in terms of the demand for that skill set so whether or not as hr professionals we develop ourselves, or we organize our organizations, and I'm speaking specifically about your HR departments, Uh, we're we're calling them people departments now, maybe in 10 years it's called something else uh, that I haven't thought of, something really creative. (laughs) But we're organizing ourselves in a way where we have talent on board that can meet the business intelligence needs of the organization that we can forecast potential issues that are going to create operational hardship, or maybe we know where to accelerate things that are um, showing real promise and helping to move an organization forward. We have to be able to do that, another non-negotiable, in my opinion. And if we don't develop ourselves or, again, organize ourselves in a way where we have that talent on our teams, we will eventually become irrelevant. So we have to keep up with that. Now there's so many exciting dimensions, whether it's AI, whether it's different modalities of how this happens and and different types of automation. I think that's going to be evolving in parallel, but we still have to be able to think with that mindset and to recognize the importance. So that train has already left the station and again, accelerating in an exponential way. Um, The third might be marketing, but I think you were going to jump in there. No,
0: no, no. Perfect. That's exactly where I wanted to go. Please continue. Um,
1: Marketing is really, it's such a unique skill set because it's, for me, understanding how best to communicate how best to connect, how best to, maybe it's not sell, but how best to influence. And doing so in a way with a unique language that your customer, your consumer understands. That is something that is probably another one of those massively emerging, critically important things that HR professionals need to do. It's not communication, it's something deeper than that. It's understanding what the customer needs and being able to translate that back. And the impact on culture is incredible because culture is brand turned inward. And there has to be a deep connection and, and ultimately have it be one and the same where your external brand should be deeply linked to your internal brand and, and how that impacts culture. so. Those three areas, the marketing, the data, the caring about your people, it, that's probably where we head in the future. So if you're already working on that as an HR professional, great news. My opinion is you're headed in the right direction.
0: <laughs> and in this audience, I'm, I'm pretty confident it's good news because everyone <laughs> is heading in this direction. Otherwise, they're, they're not tuning in. And, and Natalie, the way you dis- described the marketing and the way you talked about brand turning in- inward and that culture is the internal brand, I mean, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Now, if I could push further, if you can help talk about, like, so if marketing mindset will be necessary, which I completely agree. And, mm-hmm. I, and I loved even how you, you're defining marketing because for many we need to define it, but for this audience we don't. They understand that it's about, you know, meeting people where they are foundationally, resonating with them. So when I think about, you know, the capabilities externally, the marketing teams and what functions they have, are those going to be the same functions that are going to be inside organizations too? Are we looking for teams to be created and also where would they roll up to? Would this be a dotted line to the CMO potentially? Or will this be a direct line and a dotted line to folks internally? Uh, we just released an episode with uh, JT from Symphony AI where she said, mm-hmm. is the HR people leader the internal CMO? So I'm curious for, f- to think yeah. about those, those teams.
1: I, in terms of organizational structure, there are models out there where there's a Chief Administrative Officer that may have a HR function and a marketing and communication function reporting in. There are so many different applications for marketing skill sets and partnership amongst those two main areas in a company, um, meaning marketing and HR, where it would make sense to synergize, whether it's solid or dotted. Uh, I've seen that before and it's probably headed more in that direction, Um, you know, at least in certain industries, maybe not in all industries. Mm -hmm. There Mm -hmm. are those that prefer more of a traditional approach. But regardless of reporting relationship, those deep partnerships exist. I can give you an example of how marketing has been really, really impactful to our organization is that mindset. When we think about employee engagement and driving the different processes and programs and tools to help create an amazing work experience for our employees, um, sometimes it's about reminding your employees what you've done. (laughs) And that sounds, well, hey, Natalie, if it was that impactful, everyone would remember, but you would be surprised Um, whether it's benefits enhancements. I did a benefits survey a couple of years ago, actually, um, when I got promoted to chief people officer in 2020. Prior to that, I was vice president of people. um, And it was something that was really important to me, enhancing total rewards. And I did a benefits survey and I discovered, well, validated that there was much work to be done whether it was wealth building or employee education, increasing 401k matching, 12 weeks of paid parental leave. I'm giving you a shameless plug, but really I'm just (laughs) incredibly proud of some of the advancements in our total rewards program. But nonetheless, it has to be this constant reminder of, we heard you, here's what we did as a result of your feedback. And oh, by the way, here are some additional things we're considering. And we want you to be really, really excited about it. Maybe a service we're going to launch you didn't know you needed, so getting back to that sort of anticipating the needs. That's a marketing skill set. It's not just communication, it's understanding what the need is, reminding folks what you've done that has been impactful as a statement of confidence that you care about them, you have in the past, and you will again in the future. And so that organically creates better links to um, employee experience and ultimately to connecting folks to purpose. I work for a company that cares about me and cares about customers and leads by example, not only in the industry, but inward in its dealings um, with just bringing on different vendors, services, employee resources. I think it's just, it's also connected and it doesn't have to be complicated either. So that may be one example that would resonate.
0: It really resonates. Cause when I think about reminders, you go from a customer perspective, what happens when someone fills out a con- you know, form, if they're interested in your product or your service, and then, or what happens if they you go on Amazon, you check out a pair of shoes and then huh? you move on and those shoes are following you everywhere. Mm-hmm whether it's you know, re- to retargeting or email campaigns, we're just so busy. We're so busy and I love that you drew a distinction between communication and marketing because there is a distinction. And, and, I, I, and I often kind of think about what does this future look like? Does that mean HR folks, communi- internal communication folks, will they go and evolve their skill sets? Will they now learn some of the marketing approaches and learn from best practices? Will they bring in marketing folks and, and share with them, here's how the employee experience world looks like? I, I've been scratching, or will it be a hybrid? And I, and I love your clarity, you said based on industries, there may be even questions of where roles roll up. But do you think it's marketing mindset that will be um, as a training opportunity for HR folks, or do you bring in marketers?
1: It probably depends. And now I sound like in-house counsel. (laughs) Um, Depending on the maturity of the organization, there has to be a marketing mindset connected to the efforts of HR. If you work for an organization large enough that has the luxury of um, having those folks either direct line in or maybe HR communication and marketing specialists that have that skill set but report directly into HR with a dotted line. I think it just it really depends, but regardless of structure and how large, small or mature an organization is, the skill set is needed. Where it gets deployed is probably a function of again the, the size and maturity and scope of an organization.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Listen, Natalie, I, I could go on all day. I just looked at the time, and, um, and I super appreciate you, you joining us. I'd, I'd love for you to give maybe some, some wisdom, some advice to the folks that are listening. Again, these are innovators. They're looking to bring forward this emerging market um, to, to bridge CX and EX. What advice would you give them for, you know, for them to continue their journey?
1: Many of us, I'm gonna gonna go out on a limb and say all of us have had a really tough couple of years. And for me personally and professionally, the pandemic proved something. It was the hardest time in my career to navigate through. There were so many challenges that I felt unprepared to deal with in certain respects. But when I stepped back, and even in those like darkest moments, wow, everybody's asking me for answers to questions, uh, or I just don't have them, I don't have a crystal ball, I don't know. But when push came to shove, the organization looked to us to help solve its biggest people challenges in the most challenging time, I think, with regards to human resources in decades. So for me, I have taken those tough, frustrating moments where everyone is expecting me to be an oracle, and I'm leaning in and recognizing that our function has the great privilege to have a seat at the table to be the strategic problem solvers of the day, of the moment, of the year and beyond, so I've, I've up-spiraled a little bit there, Adam, and (laughs) I've taken those tough times and said, "Wow, okay, they really depend on us. They have confidence in us, and I've used that as a catalyst to continue my own professional development journey to be a better business person, to be a better analyst, to be a more creative problem solver, and ultimately be more connected to the industry and the customers that we serve. Regardless of if I interact with customers or not, I'm committed to serving them and making this world a better place. So I think that's my ultimate piece of advice.
0: Amazing, amazing. Lean into the lessons we've learned. Indeed, they have been difficult years. (laughs) Natalie, brilliantly put. Just thank you very much from me and from the audience for joining the conversation.
1: Absolutely. Over and out. Have a great day.